Bible with you might like to turn to uh, the book of Isaiah and I'm reading from Isaiah 64 beginning at verse 1 Isaiah 64 and beginning at verse 1 Oh that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains would tremble before you As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived No eye has seen any God beside you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us become like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags, We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray, for we are your people. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we are your people. And uh, this morning as we look into your word, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would touch us. We pray that you would encourage us and uplift us. And we pray that you might once again come down and be amongst us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is the first Sunday in Advent and uh, uh, over the next few weeks we're going to be uh, uh, looking at... uh, Three different passages in the book of Isaiah, and uh, it's going to be a time of anticipation, looking at Isaiah 64, it's going to be uh, a time of preparation, looking at that passage from uh, Isaiah 40, and it's going to be uh, a time of celebration as we look at that passage in Isaiah 61. So that's where we're going to be going as we travel through uh, Advent, and uh, we begin this morning Uh, with a time of uh, anticipation. Uh, I'm sure most people, as uh, as Christmas looms and uh, as we count down the days, uh, there is that sense of anticipation. And uh, as we look at this passage in Isaiah uh, 64, uh, we'll see um, that Isaiah was also living in a time of anticipation as uh, he looked forward to what might happen in the future. 
Soren Kierkegaard, the uh, Danish theologian, told uh, a story about a prince who wanted to find a maiden suitable to be his queen. One day, while running an errand in the local village for his father, he passed through a poor section, and as he glanced out of the windows of his carriage, his eyes fell upon a beautiful peasant maiden. During the ensuing days, he often passed by the young lady and soon fell in love. But he had a problem. How would he seek her hand? He could order her to marry him, but even a prince wants his bride to marry him freely and voluntarily and not through coercion. He could put on his most splendid uniform and drive up to her front door in a carriage drawn by six splendid white horses. But if he did this, would he ever be certain that the maiden loved him or was simply overwhelmed by his splendour? The prince came up with another solution. He would give up his kingly robe. He moved into the village, entering not with a crown, but in the garb of a peasant. He lived among the people, shared their interests and concerned, and talked their language. In time, the maiden grew to love him for who he was, and because he had first loved her. This is the story of Advent. Our God coming down to us to live with us and to win us, not by his power, but through his love. Today we begin that journey. Isaiah the prophet was hungry to see his God come down. Too long had the people waited and waited. Impatience was the emotion that most people felt. They were a people living in exile, a people who felt as if their God had abandoned them. It was a time of anticipation, and the cry was for God to intervene, a cry for intervention. The prophet cries out to God, and he says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, and that the mountains would tremble before you. Isaiah longs for God to intervene in their situation. He longs for God to come down and to make the mountains tremble. He longs to be able to show the people that they're living amongst that they're God rules. God's people were tired of being victims, tired of being beat up upon. They wanted their God to show his power and his might. This cry for intervention was a cry of hope that God would come down in power and once again show the people who was in charge. I guess it's not very difficult for us to make the steps as we look around our world and uh, we see the poverty that Barbara and Peter has been speaking about, not just in India, but in, in lots of places all over the world. We see the injustice. We see the crime. We see the corruption. And like Isaiah and the people of God, we long for God to intervene. We long to see God bringing his justice, bringing his peace. We long for God 
to intervene. And in that cry for intervention, Isaiah reminds the people that ours is a God who intervenes. Because he has done in the past. Isaiah says, For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Of course, the mountains was a place uh, that the people of God associated as where God dwelt. You know, Moses, when he wanted to hear from God, he made that journey up the mountain. And the mountain did tremble. There was smoke and there was fire. And it was obvious that God was there. And God moved in mighty ways. He led the people out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He squashed the Egyptians. And Isaiah reminds the people that this was their God, that he had acted in the past and that he would once again act in the future. And of course, we as God's people, we can look back and we know that God has intervened. This is what we're leading up to, isn't it? The Christmas story where God does come and dwell amongst us, where he intervenes. And he is born in poverty. He does take on the form of a peasant. And he works in ways that people never expected. And we can look back and we can long for those things to happen that happened when Jesus walked the earth. The wonders, the miracles. We long for God to intervene. And so it's a cry of intervention as we look forward to remembering when God did intervene, we long that God would once again intervene in our own individual lives, in the lives of our community, in the lives of our nation, and in the life of this world. Come down, a cry for intervention. But it was also a cry of confession. Isaiah as he longs for God to intervene, he realizes that maybe one of the reasons that God isn't intervening is because the fact that the people have turned away from God. He says, all of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Isaiah knows the state of the people. It was a prophet's job, not just to remind people about God, but to point out where the people were going wrong. And he places himself in the midst of the people, and he says, all of us have become like one who is unclean. I don't know if you noticed, but in our society today, uh, one of the things that people seem to struggle to do is to admit that they've got something wrong. It's to say that they're sorry. We've seen it in our, in our politicians. Uh, we see it all the time. People don't like to admit that they're wrong. They try to cover up all their wrongdoings. I came across a story of a, a vicar that uh, worked in the east end of London. And one evening he was, uh, he was locking up the church when a local villain accosted him, pinned him up against the wall. He said, Vicar, tomorrow you're burying my brother Johnny. 
And when you lower him into the grave, I want you to tell everybody stood there that he was an angel. And if you don't, I'll be back to see you. The next day, the vicar was conducting the funeral service and stood at the grave. And as the body was being lowered into the grave, he said, Johnny was a local villain. He was a scourge of this community. He robbed from the elderly. He dealt in drugs. He was a horrible person. But compared to his brother, Tony, he was an angel. We do struggle, don't we, to, uh, to admit that we're wrong. And very often, you know, even when people say nice things about us, uh, very often it's just covering over the cracks on the surfaces because we all sin. Paul the Apostle says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we live in a society that just doesn't want to admit they get things wrong, do they? We see it all the time, don't we? Don't know, any of you... Uh, Watch match of the day last night. You'd never see this, would you? You'd never see the, uh, the referee saying, you know, sorry, I got it wrong. It wasn't a penalty after all. It just doesn't happen, does it? It just doesn't happen. But on a serious side, you know, you and I, sometimes we struggle, don't we, to actually admit that we get things wrong. I'm a Baptist minister and I get things wrong again and again and again. And we have to come to God and we have to confess. We have to say, I'm sorry. Once again, I've made a mess of things. And Isaiah, on behalf of the people, he cries out to God. And he says, we're all like rags. We're all like filthy rags before you. He says that no one calls on your name. Or strives to lay hold of you. The people, you see, have turned their backs. They've been influenced by the cultures around them. And so often, this was the story of Israel. That the prophets and priests and kings were constantly having to remind the people of how they had failed. And trying to draw them back to God. And if we think that we're any different, the only people that we're fooling is ourselves. And maybe one or two people around us. But we can't fool God. He sees us and he knows who we are. But the good news is, is that this prince that he sent into the world, undercover as a peasant, came to save us. Came so that you and I could receive the forgiveness. Came and paid the price for my sin and for your sin. And so when we do confess, we can do so in the assurance that God will forgive us. And we are to be a people that are marked by forgiveness. We were thinking about a a few weeks ago, weren't we, in that little series, Living Like Jesus, Forgiving Like Jesus, because we have been forgiven. So, Isaiah, it's a cry for intervention. It's a cry of confession, And then as so often, there's a kind of movement, isn't there? We see it in the Psalms often. You know, it starts at a low place where they're crying out to God uh, in the misery and in the depths of despair. And then they confess their sins. And then it becomes a cry of conviction when Isaiah the prophet 
reminds himself and the people. And he says, yet, O Lord, you are our father. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. God is still God. Whatever happens, however bad it gets, God doesn't stop being God. And Isaiah reminds the people of Israel that they have a father in heaven. And he says, yet, O Lord, you are our father. You are our God. A cry of conviction as he reminds the people. And he makes free requests. He says, do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Don't ignore us, because after all, we are yours. Look upon us, we pray, for we are your people. And he reminds the people of Israel that we're not just his people, but we are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hands. And if we allow God to use us, he will mold us and make us into the people that he wants us to be. So the season of Advent is a time of anticipation as we wait for God to come down again and visit us with love and forgiveness. And as we begin this season of Advent, we need to humble ourselves before God. We need to focus not on ourselves. You know, so much of the the build-up to Christmas is all about, you know, what do you want for Christmas? What do I want for Christmas? And uh, the focus is all on ourselves and our needs. And Isaiah has a longing in his heart for God to visit his people. And we can have that conviction because we know that God has come down. We know that God has lived amongst us and that he still lives amongst us. We believe that he came down to save us and to set us free. And we look forward in anticipation that God will one day again visit his people. And so we join Isaiah in this Advent cry as we cry out to God, come once again. And intervene. Come down from heaven. We pray, don't we, in the Lord's Prayer. We say, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's been our text for the year, that longing that we might see something of heaven here on earth. And the good news is, folks, that if we allow ourselves to be clay in God's hands, then we can be that touch of heaven. We can be that touch of heaven to the people around us, to the people in our community. We can be that good news. We can be people that are actually God's presence amongst his people. And so, it is a cry of conviction. Advent is a season of waiting. It's a season of uh, preparation. It's a season of getting ready And it's a season of looking forward for what is to come. And uh, we're just going to take a a moment now just to uh, reflect and just to think about those cries from Isaiah 
As he cries out, he wants to hear something from heaven.